This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 843, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Well, how the times have changed. Looking back, it seems so clear now. Everything you wanted in your life. Everything is certain. Try and understand. Put a checklist on your wall. I am not what you think I should be. But you make it a Serve your love friends And you're trying to fit me 
Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 843. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host and pal, fellow Jamoke, Connor Kilpatrick. You're my co-host. I'm your co-host. Yeah, that's it. You're my, That's it? That's as far as I'm willing to go. Wow. <laughs> right where we're a minute into this, he's drawing a line in the sand. You know hey, what, Connor? You? Yeah. Your looks, are, your looks are becoming a problem. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I need a haircut like you wouldn't believe. We are iFanboy, and every week one of us picks the book that they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book. We talk about other books. When I say books here, I'm talking about comic book issues, by the way, just in yeah. case that's not clear. It's like industry jargon. Somebody's been listening for years and like, why do they say books? They're comics. <laughs> it's like people True. in the movie business. They call them shows. They're working on a show. Right. Uh, or if you're the, in the Comic-Con business, you're, you're talking about shows. It's just it's, right. it's jargon. We were previously insiders. Sure. We, we were once somewhat inside. We knew guys <laughs> and girls. There's a pic- patron pick. That's uh, where we talk about a book that you guys make us read. Sometimes we've already read it, so it wasn't like a big deal. It was fine, but sometimes it's 60 pages. We answer listener mail if we have time. That's a fun one where we, yeah. we uh, somebody asks a question. We make some stuff up and then uh, hopefully make each other laugh and possibly even share something illuminating. Uh, there are spoilers. That's when we talk about plot points in books that you may or may not have read. Some people do not like to have their experience uh, sullied in such a way. So this is the point where I tell you, listen, if this book is listed... Game on. Fair play. Yep. Safety's off. Yep. You know it. You had the pick this week, Connor. I did. It was uh, yeah, it was a big week. Relatively big. Not huge. Uh, but I had a good number of books. And there was a lot of books that were, like, very good. You know? Like, books I was really looking forward to. Like, that was very good. But was it great? Eh, probably not. So at the end of the day, I, I finished my stack. And I didn't have, I didn't have a huge front runner. I didn't have one that jumped out at me and said, I'm the pick of the week. There was a lot of books I really enjoyed. I don't know what I would have picked. I really, I, I, I didn't even think about it, but you're right. It was by no means a bad week. It was just nope. like a lot of four-star books instead of five-star books. But the other day, I picked Daredevil 650, or number two, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Marco Cicchetto, and colors by Matthew Wilson. And a lot of guest artists came on, because this is the big 650 issue. And what I liked about this, I mean, look, we've been we, we've been enjoying Chips and Marco, most, for the most part, Marco, run on Daredevil for a while. There's been a couple of downs, but it's been it's been years, and it's been it's been a very good run. It feels like you know Daredevil is a character you come on, you don't just come on for to do like ten issues. Wait, of say that again. Daredevil is a character you what? Is <laughs> a book you don't come on to? Oh, oh again, uh. <laughs> Jeez, there's children listening to this show, Josh. As a writer, you don't you don't just join the Daredevil team to do a ten issue run. You, I like, see. you come you do like a years long, years and years long story. I mean, Chip's been doing this for years. Brubaker did it for years. Bennett did it for years. And what I liked about this is that it introduced the uh, time honored comic book trope of everything you thought you knew was wrong. <laughs> you know, there's a character that comes in here. It's Matt's old law school buddy, Goldie. And Goldie reveals himself to be a supervillain who has been orchestrating from the background many of the bad things that have happened to Matt's life over the years in the various comic books. Now, this sounds like something that you hate. No, I mean, it's a, it's a time-honored tradition, you know? It's like, yeah. 
As long as it's not done badly, it's all about execution. And you know, sure, sure. Was it was I I have I have for some reason no recollection of the last issue. So when this started off, I was like, "Have we been talking to Goldie?" Who 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 basically in the first page, I was like, "That's John Constantine, by the way." <laughs> like a hundred percent, that's John Constantine. Was he? introduced in the last issue i couldn't remember yeah yeah he he was there and you know the cliffhanger in the last issue was that the train with kirsten blew up on it as matt was running to tell her he loved her right the the problem being that uh you know she said everyone had their mind wiped about who daredevil is right so she doesn't know he's daredevil anymore so that was a big cliffhanger was boom you know he's running to the train station boom it blows up and goldie was the one who blew it up and so here we go back and you know all the way back to law school with matt and foggy and electra and you know goldie has these sort of visions he sees angels wings and devil horns on matt murdoch and realizes that this is a special person he's got to be like a disciple and help to you know mold his life in in various ways and and so we get a very long and this is like digitally this is 50 pages but there's a lot of double page spread so i don't know how long it was in print but not a history of Daredevil, but a long going through various points, and he's showing how he, how he did, how he got involved, and then mostly shown through these one-page pinups from various Daredevil artists over the years. So that, we had uh, Alex Maleev and Paul Azaceta and Phil Noto and Chris Somney, Klaus Jansen stepping in to represent the the Miller Jansen years, Mike Hawthorne, John Romita Jr. So we have a lot of, you know, a nice little sort of recap of daredevil's life through these one pages that was the one of the really fun things about the issues is when it started most of them aren't signed except for yep. jansen who put a big old name on it so i was like <laughs> oh wait, wait wait who's this oh okay right you know like to sort of and then like i got to chris somni and i was like well that's chris somni daredevil, <laughs> daredevil's smiling <laughs> <laughs> it was just Great. it was really fun you know in, in, in an anniversary issue you should be in a big one like this, you should be looking back on the character's life and and do if you're not going to do one of those like well they don't really do them anymore but when, they used to do like short stories featuring these creators but now everything's got to be everything's for the trade so this can't it can't interrupt the main flow so instead of that they incorporate that into the main story and it was nice it was nice to see those all those artists back on Daredevil for one minute I and, feel like. Did anybody do that before Bendis? I think Bendis was the one where I first noticed, like, he'd do a special issue, and then he would get all of his friends, which were, you know, like, there's a stable. You know, there was, mm-hmm. there was folks, and he'd get them all to do a page, you know, and now that's become, like, a thing. Yeah, like, a page in the story itself. was for, that, yeah. that was relatively a 2000s thing when trades became, yeah. became the thing to do. It was a fun issue. It revealed things about Daredevil. At the end, you find out Kirsten isn't dead. She, the train was empty, basically, when it blew up, and... And Matt tells her, I love you. And she's like, well, that's weird, because I don't know you. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, right. She doesn't know I'm Daredevil. And they, but then he realizes he's got to let her go, because he has to go off and marry Elektra. Because that's... <laughs> Matt's love life is a problem. Matt? Matt's a problem. Oh. Like, like I, I, I... It's so... It's integral to Matt Murdock is that he's always dealing with his faith, and some people have leaned more into it, into it than others. Mm-hmm. But I find it, I always find it really interesting because it is so at odds with every other superhero oh, in the sure. stream book. There's no other characters I can think who are constantly struggling with their Catholicism, and this sort of like Catholic, the, the you know classic Catholic guilt is sort of writ on the page of this guy, and he's dressed as a devil. Like the symbolism is just in insane i'm not I, i'm not sure when 
Like, has he always been a Catholic? I feel like yeah. he wouldn't have done this stuff in the 60s necessarily. I know. It wouldn't like, have been so overt, but that was always right. part of the character. You know, and, and like to have him talking about the nature of God and how he's talking to him and what it is. And I just, it's kind of, it's kind of brave, you know, like to put this in a story like this. And they really sort of stuck with it over time. There's nothing like that uh, in comics. So it always sort of stands out. Mm hmm. I found, if I understand Goldie's power correctly, to be quite interesting, <laughs> is that he's kind of like a butterfly effect person. It's just that he can control it. Yep. So, like, he bumps into a guy, and then that starts off a chain of event that makes the, the train blow up. And I was like, Yeah, it's a very good description of his power, yeah. He's a, gold, yeah. He's a butterfly effect. That's got to be a tough thing to write. He's a directed butterfly effect. Like, he can... Right. He keeps his hands clean, right? He basically, he's yep. so far removed from the final result that you never, would never suspect him, but he can direct it. Mm-hmm. So the last, what is it, five, five pages of this, four or five pages of this are cover galleries. I'm making air quotes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a entry-level Photoshop of little tiny thumbnails of all the covers throughout the pages against a gray background. And I was like, that is... You've got great designers there. You can do better than this. Yeah, I mean they've been doing that with a lot of with with all these big issues for Marvel. I mean it's, it's kind of fun to look at them as as sort of like it a is. mosaic to see how like logos change and and yeah. things. But for the most part, you really can't see. It's too yes, small. But I just I just feel like I was like, there's got to be a a more interesting way to do this visually. Like it's just a little like it's so slapdash. It's like somebody was like, we got to do this, and they did it like in their afternoon and kind of like it's not. We also should mention there was a little backup story from Anne Nascenti, who was a big time Daredevil writer in she the eighties. Daredevil writer when I was first when I first read Daredevil, yeah. Yeah, and Chip Zdarsky on art, and I didn't quite get that one, that story. No, I didn't either. You're right, I didn't at all. There's, there's but, actually the from the very first page, ladies putting up her laundry, Matt falls from the sky after there's all these crashes. I like the way that those sound effects were done. And then the the last thing is like he hits like a sheet and leaves like a body stain on it. But I was like, he's not that bloody. Like it doesn't make sense. Well, no, they covered him up with a sheet. Oh, is it? Either way, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's like because it's transparent or yeah. translucent. You can kind of see him through there. And uh, yeah, no, it didn't quite. These women hide him. You know, they hide him in the pigeon coop on the roof because all New York City buildings have pigeon coops on the roof. Yeah, sure. And that was fine, but then it was like, then there was a whole thing with a gun and... A severed hand. <laughs> that, I mean, that was kind of funny, was that they they keep this hand frozen, and then whenever they need to... <laughs> I'm, remember, I'm remembering the details now, because there was a lot of books this week. Whenever they need to... <laughs> plant. <laughs> plant someone. Uh, Dead Connor is the name of the guy whose hand was cut off. It's Dead Connor? Yeah. <laughs> how many people can they have dead connor do yeah and so they just they, they take his hand and they put his prints on the gun they need to exonerate someone else for a crime and and that was funny but like overall didn't really i don't think it like really coalesced into a short story mm-hmm. but it was fine yeah. that bit was funny and then there was a one-page chris jerusso mini marvel thing those and Nascenti books I remember being a kid, I was 11, you know, and I thought, well, I'll try Daredevil. I've heard of that. We'll see what it's like. And I remember I didn't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it really felt like a different kind of comic book. But I also remember that John Romita Jr. was the artist on those. And, like, that stuck with me. I kind of remembered, you know, what that looked like. He was also on Thor around that time, too. So he was one of the first guys who I recognized his name. Right. It was a fun anniversary issue. We got to see a lot of great Daredevil artists come back. We had a giant retcon happen and it was fun 
It was fun. As long as the execution's good and it works within the context of the story being told, I have no problem with that kind of thing. It's a very Matt Murdock thing to have somebody fucking up his life from behind the scenes. Do you think when they call somebody to see if they want to do Daredevil for art and color and stuff, they're like, uh, before we get started with this, how are you with rain at night? So they have to do like a test rain at night thing. Because some of these pages after the art gallery bit are rain at night. I was like, this looks awesome. You know, and it's 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 uh, Chiquetto, uh, yeah. Scott Hanna on inks, and and Matt Wilson on colors, and it's it's, like, it's really great. But I thought you gotta have you gotta have people on how to do that. Like that's got to be the thing. How are you at water towers and rain at night? We talk a lot about these books. We we tend to you know talk a lot about story, but Chiquetto is really Chiquetto and Matt Wilson together. I don't and I don't know what the breakdown is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. no one else has pages that look like Chiquetto's pages with these sort of full colored backgrounds with like the splotches of color on the page. And I don't know who's doing that because Matt Wilson doesn't do that in any other book either. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. Chiquetto doing it and then Matt Wilson coming in and coloring it, but no other books look like Marco Chiquetto books. He really goes all out in some of these pages with things exploding. And you know, the thing where you would think, I'm sure this is digital, but and Physical art where you put some like paint on a brush and you flick the brush to get that effect of sure. you know this the stippling. His pages always look like that and they look great. I think that there's a lot of digital sort of three D modeling stuff going on in here, mm-hmm. but the way that it is produced and finished, it's not bad because it can be really bad when you see that it's, it's inorganic, it doesn't look lived in, it looks cold. But mm-hmm. the combination of all the stuff, I mean, it's inks. It's weird that it would you know because. Most of the guys don't use inks anymore. Actually, no. So you have inks. Must have been somebody who did inks. No, inks. Scott Hanna just inked John Romita Jr. Everybody else. That makes sense. Yeah. So Chichetto. That makes more sense. But either way, like they're collaborating together really well to, to build something. It's funny because I remember Chichetto, first time I saw him, Punisher by Greg Rucka. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I wasn't sure I liked it yet. And then over time, it's really grown on me. It reminds me of uh, Giuseppe Gamancoli. Different style. But like when I first saw it, I was like, I'm not sure about this. But over time... You know, it crystallizes into something that you sort of see what it is they're doing, and it was new. I didn't look like anybody else. You yeah, know? I really like it. I think he's one of my favorite. Me too. Favorite artists working right now. The pages just are full of this interesting detail and yeah. texture. I to think them. it's perfect. Like, like this is a visual style that you know defines Daredevil right now. Right. You wouldn't have him do like Mary Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different vibe. Yeah, but it was the same thing I mentioned. Like. Kamikoli, like the first time I saw him was on Hellblazer, and it's great. And then he went and he did a bunch of amazing Spider-Man issues. So you just never know. True. So a book that was also in the running for Pick of the Week was Do a Power Bomb number three from Daniel Warren Johnson, Image Comics. The reason why is because we we said this before, but man, there's just nobody who draws dynamism in comics the way that Daniel Warren Johnson does. And this is the issue where all the fighting starts. So it was really on display here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the story of. A wrestler whose mother was a famous wrestler. The mother was killed in the ring a while ago. And this wrestler woman was approached by a demon who said, come wrestle in my demon world. And if you win the tournament, you can have your mother back. But it's a tag team tournament. So he, she needed a partner and ends up, they end up choosing the guy who killed the mother. That's a source of tension. But in the last issue, in issue two, we found out two things. One, the guy who killed the mother was her husband. It was an accident, obviously. He didn't murder her. But the daughter doesn't know that. He was secretly wrestling with a mask on, so she doesn't know it was him. And two, we found out that the demon, in a twist right out of Galaxy Quest, doesn't know that wrestling is fake. So they've got to actually fight these people in the ring. 
It's not fake wrestling. Mm-hmm. So issue three here is the the tournament has begun. Are you still reading this? Kind of. I got to say, I don't care about the story at all. And I, mm-hmm. I don't mean it like it's not good. I just don't care. It's it's. I'm not super interested. So I more like flick through it to look at it. And I'm like, that is one amazing orangutan. Yep. These, that is a great punch. Like, it's gorgeous. I, You know, it's one of those things like I'll read what he does. But the pro wrestling story, it's not very interesting to me for whatever reason. Well, I mean, it's not really pro wrestling stories. Yeah, I know. These people are actually fighting now. It's just, it's a fighting tournament that trying to win. And it's all very sad because like everyone in the tournament is trying to bring someone back. So there, you know, there's a point where their first opponents are these two giant orangutan wrestlers, and our heroes end up winning. And the orangutans have a moment where they're like, "I'm really sorry, I failed. We won't get our sister back." And it was, I think, it's incredibly compelling. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big wrestling guy, though. I was in the '80s, and if it was a straight up story about pro wrestlers, I might even still enjoy it. I watched a couple of wrestling shows. I watched Heels and I watched the Young Rock show. But ultimately, it's just about the people and what they're trying to achieve, which is their get to get their loved one back. And these are the obstacles in the way. I'm just flowing through this book and seeing panel after panel of just incredibly, incredibly well done actions. Like no one's no one's drawing like this. Yeah, no. I um, there's a, there's a couple that stand out here. So it's page 19. Uh, the the big orangutan is, yep. is punching forward through and you know that you, you have the sound effects drawn in uh mm-hmm. you know as words with the things that it had that page is it's a magnificent page he's going to sell that page for twelve hundred dollars if it's <laughs> and then a couple of pages later it's it's super simple but page 23 is basically like a backflip in the air as the crowd looks on oh, that's my favorite page yeah i mean like because of all the things you know, all the things the, the face of the referee all the crowd the the, the ape at the bottom the, the you know the it's yeah. all there it's all very simple like this is the kind of thing that's this to me looks like if you used to see i mean they might still exist but like beautiful sports photography mm-hmm. like i see like you know like a like a black and white photo of a boxing match or you know like a wrestling match and, and you know like look how it's framed and i mean it is it the whole thing is framed but it's around the audience in the middle and everything circles around that and there's oh it's, it's a circular framing device yeah between yeah. the f- foreground audience and the sound effect yeah and the two hands and the other wrestler and yeah you, like you just mentioned the ref and I hadn't even seen that and then you sort of look down and you see the ape you know it's just it's just it's a superlative composition yeah uh, you know and, and again it's sort of what I'm getting at is like if you just literally flip through this and don't read the words you can still see what's special about it. Mm-hmm. And you can follow it too, you know. It, you know, to, to at least to a certain extent. It's an interesting tone of the match. is incredibly silly, with incredibly heartfelt. Like every tag team has a finishing move, and there's one team that's called the Pizza Men, and their finishing move is the New York Slice. And so when they're doing it, there's a giant pizza slice drawn over them, like just to represent what they're doing. Like it's silly, but also really sad. I encourage you, Joshua, to read it because it's it's not about the wrestling. I don't mean it in that sense. Like I, I, I mean, it's not like I'm like wrestling. I don't care about that. That's not. That's not the point. I just the story hadn't grabbed me so far. Yeah. I think it's very good. That's fine. I had a thought this week. I was looking at my books on my app when I had Batman, Superman, World's Finest number six next to Nightwing number ninety five and next to DC versus Vampires All Out War number two. And I thought to myself, Wow, Dan DiDio really failed because his whole thing was to <laughs> get rid of Dick Grayson. And we had two comics with Dick Grayson on the cover and a third where he's the villain. We're going to talk about Batman Superman World's Finest number six, number one. I mean, first, I was really excited for this, obviously, because this is, you know, in the last arc, Dick Grayson was lost to time. And so this was going to be the, the issue where they go rescue him. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. And it was fine. And partially because 
Travis Moore, who's an artist I really like, did the art on it instead of um, the regular artist in this book, whose name escapes me at the very moment. It wasn't Dan Mora, was it? Was it Dan Mora? Yeah, Dan Mora. Oh, okay. It looks fine. Travis Moore used to draw Nightwing. He's, he's sort of like the, I guess he's the Dick Grayson guy now. <laughs> I don't think the colors worked for him, particularly here. It sort of made the art a little bit flat. Eh. I it think, was fine. I think it gave it a, I don't want to say timeless, but maybe a, a retro kind of look. I really like, what I really like about this book is that if you listen to the show for any amount of time, you will know that Connor and I barely remember what it is that we read last week or what happened for the most part. A lot of times it will snap back in as we start reading it or talking about it or whatever, but the details are always kind of fuzzy because we've read literally tens of thousands of comic books at this point. And also there's a lot going on in our daily lives. True, but like a nonstop fire hose of <laughs> relatively repetitive comic books for the last thousand years. And what I like about this book is that I feel no real compulsion to find out why they are here i'll either figure it out or i won't and it doesn't matter it's like 60s like silver age comics like he's Mm -hmm. in the past at a circus and i didn't have to worry about it because i know this book isn't going to make me think about that part it's just going to tell this story right in the in the the mythical cordo maltese um so dick grayson's yeah back in 1891 yep 92 and he's joined up with a circus. He found a circus to join up because he's he's basically alone, you know, stuck in time. And so he's you know he's an aerialist, so he's joined the circus as an alien, which he and which he can keep his costume on. His costume must must just smell terrible. No, no, it's got. Uh, When's the last time he washed it? Bat deodorizers. He also doesn't need to keep the mask on at that point. Like, might as well take the no. mask off. That's true. Anyway, he's joined as an aerialist, and now that you know, there's a murder happening in the circus, and. These guys have ended up dead, and he doesn't know what's going on. He also he left a time travel note for Batman and Superman. He you know come rescue me on a, on a rock, which they found. Back to the Future Three. Exactly. So then, in the middle of his aerial maneuvers, Batman shows up. You know, and they become a little aerials team. When we flash back to find out they got the note, and they go back in time. And then Superman's there as a strong. It was just a. It, it was a very fun Silver I, Age adventure where there wasn't too much. You don't worry about the details of how this all happened too much. It's yeah, just fun. No, I, I, I actually really enjoyed this because of that. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't, I don't need to know anything. When Batman shows up, I was like, it didn't matter. Like, right. it was, I was like, rad. Of course he would be able to do the acrobatic stuff with him. It's just like a, it's an, it's an obvious connection. And then you, you cut and Superman's there with his super nipples. <laughs> and, you know, and, and like, he, like, it's funny is that they, they kind of don't look out of place among the circus folk. Right, in their suits. Well, the thing is, like, right, that was the whole... Yeah. Superman's outfit was originally based on oh. the circus strongman. Right, exactly. So it, it totally works in that way. My question, however, is this. I have always been under the impression that the cape is part of the cowl, and now what I'm learning is that it is a detachable thing. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's detachable. Sometimes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and besides that, it's just like a little murder mystery, like an old, yeah. old-timey old comic. You know, like, it was you all along. And, like, anybody who's read one of these stories, you're like, yeah, of course it's him. You know, the guy was crying about his line in the beginning. By the way, my favorite tiny old-timey detail in this is that the money that was stolen from the First Bank of San Diego is still in bags that say the First Bank of San Diego. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's criminology 101. You t- change the bag out. Exactly. This is definitely the money stolen from the First Bank of San Diego. <laughs> or they made a massive withdrawal and the bank only had sacks, branded sacks. I like to get my money out. I don't know if how, how you do it, but I always ask for branded sacks. You just think there's like a manager of the bank in 1891 who's like, we have to put in an order for more branded burlap sacks. Like, sure thing, <laughs> boss. And like they had to, 
they had to like bring them in by rail from Baltimore because those right. are the people who make branded burlap sacks. Should we make these locally? No, no, no. Baltimore is the capital of branded sacks. That's where they make them. There's just a whole factory making sacks. And then, like, I, I know what you're saying. Like, the art isn't necessarily as dynamic, but uh, I think it actually really fit this story. It just, it gave me, that flatness, I think, gave me more of the Silver Age feel. And you mentioned Chris Somney drawing a smiling Daredevil. This is the book where Batman smiles. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the book where they get to have a little bit of fun. Like, at the end, the last shot is literally like the end of a 80s sitcom. Like, Robin's right. got his arms around Batman and Superman, they're both, and they're all smiling. And it's just like, you know... These can be fun, too. I checked back at the beginning. I was like, is this still Mark Wade? Not because it didn't seem like him, but just because he's got so much, he can do so many different things that I was mm-hmm. like, is this a different person? Because it's a different story than what we've been reading, and, and right. it's great. If this is what it is, just like it adventures through time or whatever it is, do it. And it's just a one-shot story. Yep, yep. It was fun. Yeah, it I was really fun. that. So do you know what I've been doing this week? Tell us, Josh. I read DC versus Vampires one through eight in my non-comic reading time. Wow, look at you! I know I'm behind on books now, but I like I was like I really do want to catch up on this because I've been enjoying it so much, and I just I just tore through them all like I couldn't get enough. I, I wasn't quite done when it was time to read new comics, and I finished them first. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know because I was trying to get the show ready, and you were like, "I'm not done yet," and I was like, "You well, you read all those other books." I know. Well, there's a lot going on. There's a lot go. If I told everybody out there how much is going on, you'd be like that. You're you're full of shit. And I'd be like, no, dude, it's real. So DC versus Vampires All Out War number two. This is the side miniseries, and it's not a short one. It's a six issue mini. Yeah, uh, that, and and there's t- stuff that happens. And like the the there's a backup story at the end of it. I was like, this seems significant. <laughs> like it really seems significant. We originally talked about this book as. You know, trying to recapture the glory of deceased, and it's getting there, and it must be successful enough because you know the thing about deceased was it started having these side minis that filled in the rest of the world, and so now we're getting this too. And I, one thing I really like about this book is it's basically black and white. They just mm-hmm. they color the blood in, and and I think it's anything that's red, but anything else is just grayscale. Yeah, and I really like that in the last issue. And I like to hear, but I did. It did present some sort of confusing storytelling stuff, uh, especially with like the big fight in the tunnels. I was losing track of who was who a little bit. Mm. You know, I think it's a really, it's an impressive experiment. I'm glad they did it, but some of the characters, like I don't recognize Azrael on sight. You know, mm-hmm. it just it takes a little extra effort. Uh, and there's Wonder Woman, but then there's another woman. Well, Dark Mary Marvel is the main hero. Yep. She was fine when her hood was up, and when it went down, and just the pages are super dynamic, so it doesn't establish where you are as much. It's mm-hmm. very kinetic and action packed, and and everything. But I, I did have a little trouble following it because of that. Yeah, and I told it. I mean, at one point, like Catman shows up, and yeah. I was like, "Who is that?" Because they're black and white, and sometimes the costumes are very similar. Yeah, but you know, these are fun adventures of oh. these side characters trying to fight the vampires. Mrs. Constantine and Azrael. Oh, it's, and... it's Talia. That's the one who kind of looks like she could have been Wonder Woman in the story, right? You know, same build, dark hair, long, dark long hair. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. So early on in DC versus Vampires, somebody said something about John Jones not being susceptible because of his Martian physiology. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile. Every other character is fair game to become a vampire. Like like magic folks, right. uh, Wonder Woman, 
It's because they even say, like, she's like, you're very tough. And she's like, I'm made of clay. And I was like, well, can clay become a vampire? How, is Cap- <laughs> Captain Marvel's a vampire? Uh, at one point, Wonder Woman turns Superman and bites. And I was like, how does she do that? I guess it's magic. Yeah, magic. He can't. He's, but, he's... Uh, either way, the point is, like, I started thinking about it. And then I was like, Josh, let it go. <laughs> and I did. Like, you know, like, would I let, let me ask you this way? So when you start doing that, like, it doesn't make sense. All right. Do you want a story where you have to explain why everybody else can't be a vampire? Or do you just want everybody to be a vampire? And that is an easy choice. Right. Yeah. Make everybody into a vampire where necessary. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, that works. That's fine with me. And the backup story, as you mentioned, is pretty important. It's the origin of how Dick Grayson became the first vampire king who started this whole mess in the first place. So, Because I, I kept, in the regular series, I was like, maybe they'll explain how this happened. Because I didn't start reading it until, might have been this? No, it was two, one of the other minis, or, or, or one shots or whatever. It was the, the one um, with uh, uh, Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in that one, there's a reveal that Dick Grayson is the vampire. But I think we'd already known that in the main yeah. series. But I was kind of waiting for like, well, when does this happen? And it didn't happen in anything. And I'm reading this story. And there's a backup. And like she calls him in and he has to go visit the vampires. And I was like, what is this doing here? Yeah, you think this would be a backup in the main book at least. Yep. So yeah, so in, in Bloodhaven, his sister, which I don't still love, but whatever. The mayor. The mayor of Bloodhaven says she needs his help mediating between two vampire factions, which never goes right. Whenever you're called in to be the mediator between two vampire factions. I mean, let's give them credit for this story. Written by Emma Vaselli. I'm not sure who that is. Gets a call. He's in bed with his cute dog. Sister calls him up. You got to go meet with the vampires. And he's like, sure, costume or no, no costume. They go out at night. They're across from a scary graveyard. But it turns out that they're actually in a really kitschy waffle place across the street from the graveyard. You go in, super cute anime vampire girl, mm-hmm. you know, leads into a downstairs dungeon, <laughs> which then becomes a gothic vampire uh, nest. And they're all cool about it. You know, they're chatting. It's weird. Yeah. It's batshit, and like in a in a in a way that I can really get behind right now. And I, I think as I was reading all those issues, it isn't the same as deceased, but it does have the same thing. It goes, all right, you know all these characters, so we don't have to do the work for that. We're going to completely change the situation in which they are in. And there's something really that's something that's really fun about comic books. I can't think of a lot of other things that can do that. Oh, for sure, you can build on decades of familiarity and not have to worry about backstory right. and things. Yeah, like no one takes the cast of ER and puts them in an old timey western where there's. Although I would watch that, I would totally watch that, but it doesn't (laughs) happen because it would cost too much money. So like, and like, you don't do it with movies. You don't do it. You know, it doesn't even work in novels that well because you don't have the visual. Like comics is a place where you can do this thing, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, they're 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 extremely flexible. And they're yeah. not; br- these characters are not brittle. You know, they can survive these. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And and you know, you can read it on its surface as a story. But if you're, you know, like a longtime fan of reader, and you know all the details, and are seeing the Easter eggs and stuff, it's it's quite fulfilling. You know, and and because you're off to the side, things can have consequences, and there's a sense of danger, and there's a sen- you know, in the main series, the ongoing stuff, you know, you know, it's going to be fine, you know, mm-hmm. one way or another, even if it's fine five years from now. But uh, in these, you, you don't. So you, it's it's what you want from the characters, but with that sense of of um, uncertainty that makes drama fun. So Josh, I know you're you're not reading this book, but 
we had a sequel this week, Jimmy's Little Bastards, number one, which is the sequel to Jimmy's Bastards, which was a series from Garth Ennis and Russ Braun from Aftershock, which is basically Garth Ennis is taking the piss out of James Bond. And so this is the sequel. And this is like prime satirical Garth Ennis. This is both of these series. This issue was terrific. The last miniseries was terrific. And this is the fallout. The first miniseries was all about the fact that well, I'm just going to call him James Bond. Had, had all these illegitimate kids, every like hundreds of them, because of all the women he was sleeping with, and they all teamed up to kill him because they were fed up with him. Those Jimmy's bastards. And so this one, the fallout from that, a lot of stuff happened. I won't even get into. But he's been emotionally broken. So now he's retired. He's gotten fat. He's watching reality TV with a sweater on, and his old partner shows up. And is like, you got to get back into the game because we have this problem to deal with that involves his family. And there's a whole bit here, you know, about the British colonialism in Africa. Like, it's Ennis doing prime, here are the problems with British society and our view of ourselves. And it's what you want. And he really doesn't like Boris Johnson. Really. <laughs> I mean, this is unsurprising. In fact, there's a note in the beginning of the book. Author's note. As the reader will no doubt guess, this issue was written long before the inhuman bucket of excrement depicted herein resigned from power. <laughs> The, the pitch that you described sounds like a Kyle Starks book. You would enjoy both of these books. I know, these I know. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I gotta read this. I gotta remember that it's a thing and then read this it. This is only a three-issue minis, but you're not, you're not going to want to read this. Well, you, I guess you could read this without the... I don't, uh, don't want to do it that way. Jimmy's Bastards was also not too long, but you can pick it up. It's all from Aftershock. It's all available online, but cool. it's not straight up Garth Ennis like doing The Lion and the Eagle. It's, mm-hmm. it's funny, oh, I, satirical. Garth I like that. I like that Garth Ennis an awful yeah. lot. And usually what happens with it is that it seems one way, and then when you sort of get to the end, all of a sudden you sort of find the weight that's been there all along. Yeah, and also Russ Braun yes. is amazing. He's one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow. He does these daily sketches that are just incredible. Sometimes Garth is saddled with less than stellar artists who are not up to his writing, but Russ Braun is his equal and more. I feel like in the past few years that hasn't been as much of a problem. Not as much. It was a problem more like 10 years ago. Yeah, that's that's fair. Trying to remember what happened in Nightwing number nine. Well, I want to talk about Nightwing number five only because A. Bruno Redondo's back after a couple issues, and B. The cliffhanger here is that Blockbuster finds out that Nightwing is Dick Grayson. <laughs> I was thinking about the little bit of this earlier that I wanted to bring up, and I was like, "It's not in this book. What book is it in?" And it's. I just I just hope it doesn't become a thing because you know I'm I'm yeah. I guess I'm one of the last people in comics who thinks the secret identities is a good thing because it seems to be going on out. But like, I just, I hope it's not a thing where he gets his identity revealed because that's a whole ball of worms. That's worse than Superman. I think the secret identities are fun. Yeah. I think that really lends to the, and, and like the fact that you have to be like, I mean, of course it's Dick Grayson. How would you not know that's Dick Grayson? Right. You know, like if George Clooney showed up with like an inch of fabric around his eyes, you'd be like, that's George Clooney. But either way, uh, the thing that got me is that Blockbuster punched him so hard that his mask popped off his eyes Yeah, in the air. And I was like, because I went back. I was like, wait, where'd his mask go? And I was like, well, they showed it. It was like, boop. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but whatever. That's how strong he is. I go, well, then why isn't he dead? <laughs> True. True. That's a good punch. Yeah, I, I just hope it's not a thing. That's all. Nope. I think that's an absolutely fair I like that, that one of the themes of this book, and this is a Tom Taylor thing now, like you know, is that, is that the friends, the teams, like the family, mm-hmm. they all come together like a bunch of people show up to help 
dick. And and I like a lot that like it's all uh, Titans folks, and, and for some reason Duke is still a thing. But Batman's just in there. Hey, yeah. just one of the team. He's not even he's, focus, not, he's not even the focus of the, of the layout. No. He's like to the side. In fact, you don't see him at first. Yeah. I also don't know what Robin I'm looking at half the time. That's Tim. I know, but at first it's not entirely obvious. Tim Tim's hair goes down, I guess, and Damien's hair goes up. That's all I get. Yeah, Tim's got Gen Z hair now, so that's how you can tell. Right. Tim's And Damien's just not around. Tim's our age. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tim's like late thirties. Let's not do this conversation again. I'm sorry. I we don't need to derail us and, and me yelling at you about how wrong you are. <laughs> What is true cult, number one? I didn't know, but I read it anyway, and it's weird. I have a, I'm have going to have a hard time putting my finger on it, but very basically, there is a guy who has worked at a burger place, Burger Lord, his whole life. He went and got a job there, and he's been there for 15 years, and he's just one of those guys who mm. works at a burger joint forever. And to him, he's like, I kind of got away from it, but he's not really all that upset about it, you know? Uh, the manager there is the same person it has been too. He's been there all along. And he is there so often he plans a robbery mm-hmm. at the strip mall next to the burger place where he works That he, when he goes out for like his, not smoke break, but he goes outside for his break. And the idea is that he goes into each store with a mask on, except for the reggae store, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and he robs them. And, it, and it's like one after another. He's timed it out to the second. First store, and it's, it says what he gets from each store. Number one, twenty dollars. He's like, "There's no cash here." Number two, four hundred sixty-nine dollars from the nail place. Mm-hmm. He goes to eight different stores along the strip mall, robs them all, comes back to the job, goes back inside, you know, and 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 goes back to work. And he's like, "It's perfect," you know. And then there's a twist, you know, that happens. But there's no supernatural, as far as I can tell, so far. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of word balloons and explication and stuff. But it's actually pretty well written. The dialogue's pretty good. The art does its job. It's not spectacular, but that's sort of, you know, beginner folks. That's some IDW, right? Uh, yes, IDW. I, I kind of liked it. At the end, I was like, all right, there's something here. It's not everything else. There's, there wasn't a twist. It's just this guy who works at a burger place, and there's a robbery and some weird folks. Not, not super weird, though. Like, it, it was pretty straightforward. And I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with it, but I, I thought it was fun. True cult, but the, the U's are V's. So right. it'd be Trevu Cavalt. Yes, and that's it's a K instead of a C. Yep, yep, that's true. It's the, so, it's the Latin spelling. That sort of relates to the thing that happens right at the end of the book. I don't really know what that's going to be, but it was it was fun. I liked it. I wanted to mention Hulk Eight. I wanted to mention it because Danny Warren Johnson did the scripting with Donny Cates this time, which was interesting. Tell you what, that guy could write Hulk. That guy should do a Hulk book all on his own. He should do a Beta Ray Bill, but Hulk. Imagine. Oh, that'd be great. And I wonder if he if he if he wrote the Beta Ray Bill scenes. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. Because I was like, "Well, that's interesting." And then I'm reading it, and the Beta Ray Bill shows up. I was like, "Oh, I wonder if that's Daniel Warren Johnson." It just made me wonder, you know, yeah. about everything. Uh, the one thing I can give to this book is that it's it's big, and it's weird, and it is nonstop. Yeah. And if you lean into that as being the strength of the thing, and don't worry so much about the details of the plot, because if you can follow the details of this plot, God bless you. <laughs> you know. I was wondering if this was going to be like, you know, Marvel used to do, and this was a long time ago, and all of our, all of our references are from like the heyday of the show, because we just, that's where our brains imprinted. But Marvel used to bring on a co-writer, and then the co-writer would take over. And so I was like, oh, I wonder yeah. if Daniel Warren Johnson's taking over this book. But then I saw the next issue was back to Donny Cates and Ryan Otley. So I think they just brought him in to do Beta Ray Bill. I mean, knowing 
what little I do of Donny Cates, like that dude likes to collaborate with people and bring mm-hmm. them in. So I imagine he was having a conversation. He's like, hey, why don't you do this one with me? You know? Right. That feels like a thing that, that he would do. Which I think is cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. It makes it fun. It, and it's not like, uh, I don't know, like I feel like it's done because, quote, this would be cool. Which I think is Donny Cates' thing, by the way. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Mm-hmm. Usually it is. And I, and I like that approach. That's what works out for him. Right. And that's, that, I, that's why his career feels a little different than everybody else. It's just like, I think this would be awesome. You know? It is. So those are the books we wanted to talk about at patreon.com slash ifanboy. The patrons vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, by overwhelming margin, they voted for Batman, One Bad Day, The Riddler, number one, by Tom King, Mitch Gerrards, and Clayton Cowles. This is the first of several... I mean, if you're reading DC books at all, you've seen all the ads. But this is the first of several one-shots featuring Batman's rogues gallery on their worst day. Monthly. You get one a month. Yeah. You know, you've got some good names on there, but this is really the powerhouse team. And I was surprised they let off with that. Cause I mean, prob- I think in this, you, you, it's your, you, you start with that and you set it's up. It's probably only name. downhill from there. She uh, Willow Wilson, Jamie McKenna. No, I mean, there's good people. There's totally no, good I, people. I know, but yeah, you're kind of right. It's like starting with Alan Moore and then going to everybody else. Tom Taylor and Ivan Reese on the last one. So you're sort of your power ones right there. Oh, Jerry Duggan and Mateo Scalera. Yeah, those totally good people. Anyway. Yeah, no, totally good, but I know what you're saying. What'd you think? I'm of two minds on this book. That makes sense. But let's put a pin in that for a second and talk about the fact that we got killed again in this book. Did we? Yeah. I saw something at one point, and I was like, wait, that... And then I didn't go back. I thought... I we were one of the guards. We were each one of the guards that was guarding Riddler in Arkham and then got killed. What's he trying to say? I don't know, but he spelled my name wrong again. <laughs> I think he's he listened to the show back in the days where he knows what that means. <laughs> anyway, there was a whole list of names. It was like they were just rattling off the guards' names, and it was mm-hmm. Josh, Connor, Ron, Bob, Daryl. I was like, again? <laughs> All right, so that's we'll put that aside. I really liked this book as a auto continuity one shot story. Like taken in that context, I really liked it. I agree completely. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I know what they want it to be. So the whole thing was this is very consciously trying to do the killing joke for each of these characters. However, very rarely do you... The killing joke happened organically. It wasn't, the killing joke wasn't meant to be what it became. It just was a story right. that Elmore wanted to do. It became a big thing. It, became, it, it was even out of continuity originally, and it became part of continuity. It, it, was a, it was an organic thing that happened. It's harder to manufacture that. It's harder for you to say, I'm going to set up to write a classic as opposed to just writing something and have it become a classic. So right off the bat, you're already like, well, they're trying to do this. It's like, it would be like if they said, we're going to do a whole series of Dark Knight Returns. You know, mm. it's like, well, you can't well, ape that. That was before Watchmen. Kind of the same deal, you know, and, and most of those have been forgettable and some of them, you know. Right, but my point is like, it's hard. It, once you say we're, we're going to do a series of killing jokes for these other characters it's like well right. you've now set yourself up to fail it's like trying to create a viral video like right. that's not how it works <laughs> so that's one thing the other thing is i mean they reference the events of killing joke in here sure. a b tom king already likes to do his books in alan moore style so that's b and then c it's the same ending so mm-hmm. that was very strange but taking that aside it was very well done, and I, re- I enjoyed reading it. I mean, Tom King, 
is a very original writer who incorporates a lot of homage. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's in his wheelhouse, certainly. And it's funny because it's in Alan Moore style, but it's not in Alan Moore killing joke style, if that Mm -hmm. follows. It's Alan Moore Watchmen style, which has been sort of changed into Tom King style. If you're going to steal, steal from the best. There's a lot of nine panel grids in Killing Joke. You know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I can kind of picture it now. Imagine Brian Balland actually doing more interiors. It just never happened. No. I don't know anything about the Riddler. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I know what he is. I know his deal. He showed up and stuff before, but he's never been a character. Like, I understand Mr. Freeze. Mm -hmm. I even understand Joker to a certain extent because, you know, that's that's the fact he's chaos or he's whatever but maybe there's a story it doesn't matter you know i understand selena kyle i i never got the riddler and i think that this was a really good i want i don't want to say explanation because it's it's like an option more than it is anything else and and again as you if you say this is a a one-time one-shot single story it's great Mm -hmm. in that way you know like this as a as a way that this villain is born is incredibly well thought out and intelligent and compelling. Like the fact that he's got this as a kid, I mean, the backstory is, is no, you know, I was going to say it was my favorite part, but it isn't that stuff all really works well together. So the backstory is that he is, I mean, it's fucked up. Was mm-hmm. the, is any of this canon? Like he is the son. No, no, of, that's the whole point. Like the, the killing joke was establishing a canon for a character that didn't have any. Right. But so, so, this, so none of this is stuff that happened before. No, none of this is all okay. new. Do you know the Riddler's origin? Like, do you have an idea about what that is in your head? No. Okay, so that's interesting. He's then again, he's Edward Nigma. DC has no sense of him either. He's a different character completely yeah. in every appearance, which is kind of okay in my book. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a riddle. This explanation... I really like it's it's such a it's such a well thought out thing. He he's got this headmaster of a school and and he goes to see a, a lady of the night and she gets pregnant and he takes it and he's going to raise the son in his own but he, this, this the headmaster's fucked up you know because of all this stuff going on but the kid's a genius mm-hmm. but his dad never you know makes him feel like he's failing if he's not perfect so he has this teacher who you know gives a test and and Riddler prepares for the test and does the whole thing exactly as he's supposed to and then at the end of the test is a a riddle that you're supposed to solve and he just doesn't know how to think that way and so he loses points on a test because it's not extra credit and he cannot get over it and you've got this teacher who's being a great teacher it's Robin Williams the teacher you know like I really I need you to be able to think of you have so much potential just trying to help you get there and you know not Nigma I can't think of what his name is but he can't get over it. And he hates him for it. Right. And he, you know, he breaks. And he becomes this other character. And then you go into the, the main story. I mean, and this is, this is the thing that Tom King does that I don't think anybody does as well, including Alan Moore, is that, like, I would have the hardest time writing mysteries or writing the Riddler. And he just builds a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, he's great at construction, so that's, like, perfect for the Riddler. Yeah, but, but, you know, like, to me, like, the hard part is like, I would never think of the riddles. I would never think of the, and I don't mean to compare, like, I don't mean, I'm not saying, oh, I couldn't do this, so I can't see why it is. I'm just saying I find it really impressive. And then, you know, the, the, the thing here is that the Riddler always leaves a riddle. And in this one, he just kills some dude. Yep. On purpose. To, and doesn't leave a riddle. Just to fuck with Batman and to prove that that's not a thing that he has to do, and that's how he can beat him. And, I mean, it was... It was 60-some pages, and, you know, like, it was riveting. I was, I was into it, and, and, and Mitch Garrett's mm-hmm. gets better 
every single time he does a book. It is crazy to me. You know, it's not like it's not like the Mr. Miracle was bad. It was fantastic. But this, I was just like, man, it's like his style keeps evolving. There was a time where, and he uses a lot of photo reference. He photo references himself, but it doesn't even look like it anymore. Like, well, no, I mean the actors. To, the actors are very clearly the actors in the book. Yeah, but but it does have a way of feeling organic in a way that a lot of photos, like a lot of stuff like that, doesn't to me. Right. Like it, it feels like a drawing that's clearly overlaid on a thing. But that's what he does, and it's not a secret to the process. But I, I just feel like. And it suited the story, the, you know, whatever the little, he doesn't, he has a style, but it, it's a little malleable for where it needs to be. I really liked how the Riddler was drawn in present day. The black As uh, Michael Stipe. And, yeah. He's got the look of the Riddler from the second half of the animated series where they changed him from the guy in the suit to they, they made him like super skinny, bald, and they gave him these dark eye, eye mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And I saw this on his Instagram. He talked about his process. He took... He took that Riddler and they combined with Michael Stipe to make this Riddler. So, I mean, it, it was fine. Yeah. See, I don't know anything about that process, so it helped. You know, he's revealed to be like the smartest guy in Gotham. He's got, he knows Batman's identity. He, much like Daredevil, he, he claims to have orchestrated so many things against Batman since he knows who he is. He's, he claims he sneaks in at night and watches him sleep. And, or, I mean, realistically, it'd be the daytime because he used to sleep at night. It's creepy, though. Made him super creepy and formidable. Those scenes were scary. And then he, you know, basically gets the the city in a vice. Like he says, "I live in this hotel. If you come at me, I'm going to kill everyone you love." And so that everyone from the mob to the cops to everyone leaves him alone because he they're terrified of him. So that's where the ending comes in, where that man just shows up and murders him. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, what is this book?" I, it was interesting though because you know our thing about Batman. Batman doesn't kill. And he was literally left with no choice. And it's slightly ambiguous what happens. I mean, well, same thing with Killing Joke. But the, the, the beginning of the book is where he murders the guy, where he, you know, the guy's walking out, and it's all from his point of view. And then there's four black panels after the, the Riddler shoots him to indicate his, his yeah. change into the, the void. And so the same thing happens here, where we see the Riddler's point of view of picking his hat out, puts it on, he looks in the mirror, Batman's standing behind him, and then there's four black panels. So it's, I mean, it's the same construction. He's dead. It's like the ending of Sopranos. I think it'll be really interesting. I kind of hope that the the folks doing it didn't see each other's work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would like to see what other kinds of interpretations of this concept there are. Yeah. And I, I would hazard a guess that this will be one of the best of them. But I'm, I'm guessing there's also going to be at least one real good surprise in there. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's great people... On all of these books, but this is but this is where this is where Tom King shines, like this this yeah. setup, this this formula. Short, you know, he can do short stories, and uh, I don't know. It, I, I I it's so, so impressive, you know, that that this this level of of planning and and exactitude. I mean, the thing is, like, you wouldn't have thought they could bring the Killing Joke into continuity, right? Because it's this, it's the same ending where. Batman is strangling Joker and the whole thing with the light turns off. And that's the, if you watched in the beginning of the book, that's the metaphor for uh, madness and death. And then, so then, but they did, they brought it into continuity. And so here you, you think it's not even possible because this Riddler totally like blows up the entire idea of Gotham city. But you know, I don't know. I just don't know what they're planning for these. They don't, they're, these aren't black label. They don't say they're out of continuity. Yeah. So on the one hand you can just enjoy them for this, I think really incredible. And you think really incredible uh, Riddler story. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't know what their plan is for these characters. Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, I I I was, I wasn't. If you had sort of told me about it, I don't think I'd care. Right. But given the team, you know, given the stuff, it it's just, 
I feel like it's impossible to not at least be impressed by it. So are you going to read the other ones? Are you sticking with it? Maybe not all of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I keep myself open to the possibility that there could be some really cool stuff coming up. So we'll, we'll check them out. As, and there's as a lot of them. Yeah. Well, it's only once a month. Right. It's, uh, but it's eight of them. Eight, eight total. Seven more. So what are the ratings on this? Ratings on Batman One Bad Day, the Riddler number one. Four and a half. I think that's fair. Four and a half. Yeah. Out of five. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting to see what, what comes of this, if anything. I don't need anything to come of it, but I'm just you know always conscious yeah. of what they're trying to do at DC because they seem to not know what they're doing. So I don't think they know what's going to happen next week. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm not even being facetious. I mean, obviously, they have to plan out because three-month cycle. Either way, probably would have made this my pick of the week. Probably. Not being able to divorce my brain from the questions, if they said this is just a fun, out-of-continuity thriller story, it would have been pick of the week. But I just can't turn my brain off to, the, to wondering what they're doing with this. And that, that clouded it a little bit for me. But that's not the book's fault. It's my own fault. I think the fact that you even think that there's a plan is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> like, what they're going to do with it is, is going to be an improvisation at some point later by somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I always kind of feel it is. I don't, I don't think... I feel like this stuff all moves too quickly. And the Riddler is dead, though. Plans. He's dead at the end of this book. You don't know that. He is dead. Black panels, you are assuming that. Because that's the construction of the book. That's, he's dead. The guy was shot in the beginning is dead. He's dead. But, but if the killing joke is in continuity, he weren't dead either. If it's that all stuff up. happened. It, it doesn't matter. He also says that he planned the killing joke for the Joker. And it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> all right. I will tell you, I don't like it when anyone brings up the killing joke in continuity ever. I well, then every, every time you see the Oracle in, in the wheelchair... I understand. That's bringing it up. I know it is. I just, I think that, this is wrong, but I feel like that story is so horrible. I don't mean it's a bad story. I just mean what happens in that story is so terrible that it doesn't mesh very well with my conception of what I want the DC Universe to be. It's a level of trauma and brutality that, if it happens, you know, ambiguously or to characters you don't know or whatever... But it's so, you know, like, like how, how do you, I mean, like, this is the thing about the book is like, how do you let the Joker walk around after that? Right. And they have to. And so it just doesn't, it just doesn't, doesn't mesh correctly. But you don't feel that way about Identity Crisis. Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, but you don't see, you don't see Dr. Light all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's not a thing. You see Joker all the time. Right. And for some reason, like, you know, the Joker's killed a, you know, billions of people in the book and he's terrible all the time. But for some reason that one is so up close and personal and it's a character that all these people care about. And it's right. just, and, and you know, none of this, none of what I'm talking about is like a, uh, um, logical thing. It's just, it's just a feeling that I have. Sure. It's all emotional. That's all this yeah. is. And you, that's the beauty of make your own continuity. And you know, it's the same thing with like, like Jason Todd, like it's just so the crowbar, like I will never, what a fucked up thing for me to read when I was 11. Like I will, I, I can picture those three panels of the crowbar yeah. coming down, and it, it disturbs me to this day. Yeah. It's really, you know, it, it, there's something to be said. Like, there, there's kind of going too far, but also that's their job at the same time. It's, I don't know. It's very complicated to me. I'd like to go ahead and apologize to the email writers this week. Okay, that's fair. 
It just happens. It happens sometimes. We have a lot of us to talk about. But before we get going, we do have to talk about the patron powers. Again, those are the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy voted to add to the rundown. Thanks to the patrons. Uh, but we also like to give out a power to a patron who gives it the $5 or a higher level. And this week's power goes to Michael Mavity. And Michael's power is that it's a blessing and a curse power in my book. Michael can place an object anywhere where he knows it's going to be stepped on or knocked over. Like, like right now, Josh, you're podcasting at your desk. You know, you've got your whole setup going. As far as yeah. you know. Right. Well, I mean, you could be up. <laughs> you could be in the Bahamas for all I know. But I'm on the. I'm imagining you at a desk. He could sneak up behind you and with his power place like your water cup where he knows you're going to turn and whack it with your hand. Not not he realizing. Must be it's here there. a lot. <laughs> so he can do that to anyone at any time that he can see. However, the tragic irony of it is that he's constantly doing it to himself without realizing it. So he's constantly knocking into things, walk, knocking it, knocking remote it, controls off the couch and. Does it usually stay minor, or does it start like a mousetrap Rube Goldberg? <laughs> I mean, he, if he really wants to try, he can create a giant domino effect situation. But mostly it's just like, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I put this water cup on the floor, and of course it's right where I turned and stepped, you know. The people in his circle spend a lot of money on replacement keyboards. Yes. Yeah. And remote controls. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, by the way, I've never heard the name Mavity. And I really like saying it. It's a good name, Michael Mavity. It's great. It rhymes with gravity. Gravity's a great word. He's like a comic book character. It's alliterative. He's a Stan Lee creation. Yeah, it's true. So thanks, Michael, for being a patron. Be judicious in your power. Just realize that this also happens to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where Michael became a patron, and thanks for doing so. You can also get in this position yourself. You may have noticed we've cut down... On how many patron powers are because we're running low on patrons. We want to stretch this. We're reaching the end. We've, we've, we've finally, after right, years and, and years. And there's people still on the way. There's a lot of people be like, yeah. where's my power? We have a whole list of people we're doing who upgraded because when you upgrade, you, we don't get a notification. So we don't always get in a list right away. But we've added that. Also, if you think that you have not been given a power and you're owed one, please email us at contact.fanboy.com and we'll look into it because we don't want to miss anybody. We like doing the powers. So. Sure. If we've missed you somehow, which is entirely possible, because again, sometimes we have to actually look through all, all the email alerts to find out people who have upgraded. Let us know. Email yeah, us so in. Don't, yeah, don't and don't worry about that. Don't, like, yeah. ah, I don't want to bother and whatever. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. do it. We want we want to give you the power. That's your your reward. You can get yourself over to uh, Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, and uh, at the five dollar higher level, of course, you you will uh, eventually end up with your power. But the point, obviously, is to uh, if, if you're able to support the show, you listen to the show all the time. It's important to you. You want to help us uh, continue making it. Then that's what you would do. There uh, is a great community of folks who are part of that. There's the Discord and the Facebook groups. There are stretch goals which have achieved things in the past. All of our video shows uh, content's been uploaded to YouTube at this point. We are doing three or four shows a month now extra from these shows and we'll we'll give you updates on those stretch goals soon remember all that stuff that i told you about that was happening in the background of my life this is i consider this my fault by the way so if you're like oh they keep saying it totally me uh you can go to <laughs> ifanboy.threadless.com you can find 12 designs on t-shirts and more including our newest design the gosh shirt good old superheroes uh ifanboy.com slash support there is a uh direct donation link uh via paypal if you wanted to do that and just just for the record now is a great time. <laughs> you feel like, man, I've always wanted to be part of this, but I've never had a reason. Now is a great time to help support. <laughs> that would the be show. a helpful time. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, honestly. And then uh, ifilm.com slash Amazon, uh, where you will find affiliate links for the Booksplode books, for the music on the show, for the pick of the week, and anywhere else that that's appropriate. And also, there is uh, bookshop.org, which helps local bookstores out. You'll find those links on the website where appropriate as well. Uh, that allows you to order books from uh, independent bookstores throughout the... Is it just U.S.? Or is it the world? Is it? I think it's just you. I, I don't know. I'd be talking out of my ass if I said just U.S., but I have no idea. That's fine. I, I know it is in the U.S. I know yes, if, at the US. very least it's the U.S., but, you know, local bookstores are, are great. You can either have them sort of pick up, pick which ones you want, or you can uh, you can patronize a very specific bookstore if that is your want. So we will stick those in there when we can. We're very happy to have, have something to do with that. Uh, and I think that's it. We're not going to do an audience question because we talked a lot. Yeah, we did. We got to skip that. Sorry. If you did want to write in, contact at ifanboy.com is the place to do it. You can write in for this show. You can write in for the Media Explode show. If it's for Media Explode, put Media Explode in the subject line. But we love doing those emails. But there was a lot to discuss this week. Yeah. And we apologize. It, happened some, it hasn't happened in a while. Well, I feel like the books, the books needed talking about. It happens. And I found a way to shoehorn in the eight issues of DC versus Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> if there's another series you think Josh should, should binge, uh, write in a contact at fanboy.com. Yeah. Let's talk about the extra shows. We always have extra shows in addition to this show. This past month, we've had our special edition review of Green Lantern Beware My Power, the animated movie. We just released, just behind this show in the feed, our newest Media Explode, which we did the top five TV deaths. It was a very fun and emotional discussion. And we thought we would run short. We did not run short, but that was fun. And then next week, or this coming Thursday, you'll have the Booksplode review of Hulk Future Imperfect. Josh and I sat down. It's already recorded and talked about Future Imperfect, the, the capper or the opening to Peter David's Maestro Saga. And we had a lot of fun discussing that book. So you can look for that this coming week. You know what's great about these sort of older books that we choose from that, for those those shows, is that... I think we've gotten very adept at not really having read a thing, but looking at the people involved and going, I bet this is going to be awesome. (laughs) And more often than not, it is. And Mm -hmm. I I really like that because the other thing is like, if somebody's been talking about a comic book story for 30 or 40 years and they're still talking about it, it's probably something pretty great about that. Right. At least something interesting about it. Yeah. 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 So that's our August Booksplode. That means September is a Talksplode and then Oxplode. The Booksplode's return in October, and for October's Booksplode, we're going to be doing Cosmic Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read that or haven't read it in a while, and you want to read along with the, with us in October, it's going to be Cosmic Odyssey from DC. It's somewhat possible there could be a bit of a Talksplode hiatus. I'm going to try. We'll mm. see. I'm working on it. Anyway, Cosmic Odyssey from DC, and it's Jim Starlin and Mike Mignola. So, yeah. wow. And John Workman. We should never forget. You know what? I feel like we talked about doing that years ago, and we talked about it briefly on one of the shows or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I feel like now this version of Josh Mm -hmm. is really going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't read it in a long time. I've I've read it a lot as a kid, but I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm looking forward to it. You can find all of our shows over at ifanboy.com, as well as all the writing that uh, ourselves and our staff have done over the years. Kind of wrapped up a while back, but it's still there, and, and a lot of it is still quite valid and fun. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following uh, at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can follow Connor and I individually at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page over at youtube.com slash ifanboy. You can subscribe to that. The only thing that's going to be going up on there, you know, for the for the for the foreseeable future, is going to be we put the this show 
Uh, they put yes. an audio show up there. So if, if you prefer to listen to this uh, on your computer on YouTube, you can do that as well. It'll save your place. If uh, That's all. I'm done with my part. And finally, if you like the show, consider leaving a review or a star rating wherever it is you get your podcast. It helps people find the show. It helps those services bubble the show up and make it more discoverable. It's all a game, and we're just trying to play it. And that's how people do it. So thank you for doing that. It takes a minute. And not just for this show. Any podcast you listen to, it's a great way to help a show, help support a show you enjoy, is to help uh, that be discoverable by writing a review or leaving a star rating. So thank you for that. Even better, that's word of mouth. Tell your friends and your family that you enjoy the show. We do appreciate that. You're our team on the ground, our unpaid interns. We appreciate it. And so that's it, Josh. <laughs> no, no, we also don't provide college credit. That is, We provide no college credit. Right. In fact, I would... I mean, this is just professional advice, but I would probably keep this off your resume entirely. <laughs> I don't that's think. Right. I, but what do I know? Um, when they call us for your references, we will be very confused. Right. I mean, I, I will I will straight up be like, I, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> or at the, at the very best, like, yeah, I kind of recognize that name. Right. Like, there's that. Yeah. Uh, We've had a lot of people over the years. Sorry. Yep. I remember. Not the best surprising, references. Surprising amount of them. Though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know if you're going to be good as an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it's fair that you put that on us. <laughs> exactly. It's not my fault. I mean, the fact is I don't really know anything about your character whatsoever. What, right. The image that you're putting up on social media or in your, <laughs> co- in your comments about comic books, this is just not enough to go on. I'm sorry. Right. Is uh, this person qualified to be a regional sales manager? I don't know. I just know what they think about Spider-Man. And even that's dubious. <laughs> do I hope? Do I want them to get the job? Do I want them to be yes. happy? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Do I want them to be good accountants? If that is their, if that is their muse, if actuarial tables, that's insurance, not accountancy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yes. Like, you know what? You're not qualified to answer that question either. And that's why I don't put us on as a, in the resume. Exactly. We don't even know the difference between accounting and actuarialism. Is that a word? It's, you know who does? Who? Billionaires, and I think it's time to step up. <laughs> I know, I know. There's, I know that there's some very. There's got to be some very. I don't know for sure, but just the law of averages. There's got to be some very wealthy people listening to this right now in your ears. <clears throat> and listen, your concept of very wealthy and mine might be different because <laughs> wealthy people don't ever think they're wealthy unless no, they're like really they're comfortable. Wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Again, don't put us on your resume. Until then, I'm Connor. I don't know, Josh. We're serious about that resume thing. Mm-hmm.